Welcome to Law Technology Now with host Monica Bay, editor-in-chief of ALM's award-winning magazine, Law Technology News. Hear the latest about technology for the legal community. If it's tech, it's a topic right here. And welcome to the February edition of Law Technology Now. And a special thank you to our new sponsor, LexisNexis. We are thrilled to have you with our program. We have a terrific guest for you, the very prolific Mark Giroux, who I'm sure many of you know from his many contributions to Law Technology News's print and website. Uh, Mark, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Great to be here, Monica. And Mark, would you start us off um, and let us know what you do at Fenwick? Well, I head up the uh, application development and business process team here at Fenwick. We're responsible for custom development, um, primarily on SharePoint, uh, but also uh, general in, uh, development. So, for example, our in-house new business intake system, our intranet, our extranets, um, soon to be responsible for a rewrite of our public uh, website, Fenwick.com. Oh, fun. And you're known among our LTN team as our SharePoint guru. We just so appreciate all the wonderful articles you've written about SharePoint. And we're today we're going to talk about a couple things. Um, you have an article in our inaugural issue of the new LTN. Uh, we've gone to a, a what we call inside a real magazine size. You can put it in your computer bag now. And you have a wonderful article called Mending Fences that talks about how to create ethical walls in SharePoint that uh, prevent or allow lawyers to have access to confidential files. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. I also want to chat with you a little bit about a new article you did on a subject that is near and dear to my heart, which is we have both written extensively about the UK futurist, uh, Mr. Suskin. And we can talk a little bit about that as we go through. But could we start, Mark? I know many of our readers are intimately familiar with SharePoint, but perhaps there are some listeners who aren't. Could you tell our audience what is SharePoint, why is it important to the legal community, and and how is it used in legal environments? Well, I think uh, that's a great question. And SharePoint has evolved uh, over the last decade from being a a simple uh, web-based document sharing platform uh, from Microsoft to really being the substrata of of all their development tools in Microsoft Office. So, uh, for example, today, not only can you do collaboration um, uh, with SharePoint around documents, wikis, blogs, but you can also do your workflow there. Um, many firms are moving uh, their DM onto SharePoint uh, here at Fenwick, we use it for our intranet for our over 20,000 extranets. We um, will be using it for our public website, fenwick.com. We um, are in the process of migrating our DM to SharePoint. We host a number of uh, custom applications for project management on SharePoint. So you can... It, for a firm that is uh, committed to the Microsoft 
uh, technology stack, which is many firms, you can think of SharePoint as the platform on which you would deploy web-based applications for your attorneys, for your staff, and for your clients. Now, you said uh, DM a couple of times. I'm going to assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you're referring to document management? Yes, that's correct. Thank you. And my next question, which is going to sound totally dumb, Mark, but is SharePoint the same as a dashboard, or is a dashboard something totally different in a firm environment? Well, I think of the term dashboard as a generic one to describe a place where you can get at-a-glance information about some aspect of the firm or a client engagement or uh, the business. Um, SharePoint can be used to develop dashboards, and in fact, since the 2007 version, Microsoft has uh, provided what they call Uh, key performance indicator or KPI capabilities so that you could surface data, let's say, from your accounting system or from a particular uh, matter engagement and uh, present it graphically. But um, there are so many different types of dashboards. For example, we've created in-house what we call a project management dashboard that allows attorneys and our clients to see at a glance progress on a particular matter. We've created for internal use financial dashboards. Those are uh, both examples of dashboards hosted on SharePoint. So the term dashboard is generic, but SharePoint can be an enabling technology to provide those dashboards. Terrific, I really appreciate the clarification. In your article, Mending Fences, you talk about uh, an issue that you have challenged Microsoft to address in the future, and you've come up with a really good workaround, it sounds like, which is the concept of creating ethical walls. Could you start us off, Mark, by explaining what you mean by an ethical wall and why, why having these is so crucial for lawyers? Well, um, in... In any new matter or new client, one of the first things that happens at our firm and and all firms is to perform a conflict check to make sure that um, individuals currently at the firm uh, would not have a conflict vis-a-vis a particular client or a particular matter. Um, That also happens when uh, attorneys come in as lateral hires and may have had access to um, confidential information of parties adverse to some of our clients. So all firms have to uh, construct these walls, their conceptual walls, of course, uh, to prevent certain attorneys or other personnel from having access to um, privileged information of of certain clients or about certain matters. And so these kinds of walls uh, get constructed for the DM. They get constructed for other systems that contain client matter information. And now that SharePoint is playing a critical role at firms, we also need to construct those walls around uh, documents and data stored in SharePoint. And in your article, you talk about the difference between when you build these walls, creating systems that are inclusionary versus 
exclusionary. Um, I might be jumping the gun a little bit, but could you talk about what the challenges are specifically in SharePoint and why these two concepts are so important? Absolutely. So most um, uh, individuals who've worked at law firms for a while and have have had experience with traditional law firm DMSs, document management systems, will know that you can both include, if you're setting up permissions for a particular document, let's say, you can include users and say, these users have the permission to read this document, but DMSs like those from OpenText and Interwoven uh, support the concept of deny. So you could say, for example, all firm users have permissions to see this particular document except Jane Doe because she needs to be screened off. She has some um, uh, information that's adverse to the client on this matter, and and so for ethical reasons, she may not see this document. Now, the problem arises because the way Microsoft has architected SharePoint, there is no ability to uh, to uh, create these deny uh, settings for a particular document, for a matter, for a client as a whole. And so there's really no good way to manage that. There are a few vendors out in the marketplace that are, are attacking the problem, um, but we did not see a viable, scalable solution out in the marketplace today that would allow us to manage both inclusionary, which is something that uh, SharePoint does do, as well as exclusionary walls. Is that something that would be difficult for Microsoft to uh, fix, or do they have issues that would prevent them from addressing it easily? Well, no. I think Microsoft, if if they uh, if if they wanted to, they could fix it fairly easily. I mean, obviously, the fact that that we at Fenwick were able to deduce a a interim solution, and I'm calling it interim because I think uh, questions of security architecture really need to be addressed ultimately by the vendor. But um, the fact that we were able to deduce a solution, and that's what the article describes, uh, means that Microsoft could certainly do it. I think I think what was um, happening here is that Microsoft is taking the same uh, sort of security model and philosophy that they implement on their file system. So on your desktop computer, on your network shares, they don't support exclusionary uh, security. So um, they just uh, migrated that way of thinking about the world onto SharePoint. What I think they missed is the need, not just in legal, but in in many collaborative environments, to manage um, uh, exclusions as an exception rather than the rule, Um, where typically for knowledge sharing purposes, you want the most individuals to have access, and then on an exceptional basis, you would uh, exclude certain individuals. The model they've implemented is the opposite, 
which is to say that you typically would assume everyone's excluded from content and you just selectively add permissions. And you noted in your article that I, what I took away as a, a key key thought was that the need to explicitly deny permission is not unique to the legal industry, but it's actually a central tenet of most uh, knowledge work. Is that Does that sum that up? I, I absolutely agree with that. And that's where I'm hopeful that Microsoft will step back and say, yes, this is something that we want to offer. It's no accident that document management system vendors have provided deny security settings for over a decade um, because they are at they have been addressing the core needs of knowledge workers and knowledge sharing since they've been in existence. And if our listeners would like to find out more, um, Mark does a great job even going under the hood and giving you some tips on exactly how to do this. You can see the new issue, the February issue of Law Technology News. It is redesigned. We're in a new, smaller version that will fit in your computer bag. We're very excited about it. And you can also find the article online. uh, And you can find that at www.lawtechnologynews.com. Mark, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our wonderful sponsor, LexisNexis. And we will be back to talk about Richard Susskind. Thanks for tuning into our program today. We want to let you know about something extraordinary happening in the legal industry. Right now, hundreds of independent attorneys just like yourself are working to bring a very special product to market. These attorneys are part of a development program at LexisNexis, and they are working under NDA on a brand new application that will change the way you run your practice. This solution... LexisNexis Firm Manager is a web-based, highly secure application operating in SAS 70 Type 2 attested data centers. If you are interested in test driving LexisNexis Firm Manager at no charge, or to learn more, visit www.myfirmmanager.com slash LTN. It's the office calling again. Don't answer it. Why not? I'm listening to Legal Talk Network podcasts to get my CLE credit in West Legal Ed Center. Oh, yeah. I need to do that, too. Where do I find them? It's easy. Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and pick a program for CLE, click on it, and start listening. Or go to WestLegalEdCenter.com and choose from any of the Legal Talk Network programs available for CLE. That's perfect. The office can wait. How do you keep current? Lawyers in the know visit law.com for breaking legal news, blogs, videos, and more. Visit law.com today. Hi, and we are back with Mark Giroux, who is Director of Applications and Business Process at Fenwick and, and West in my old stomping ground of the San Francisco Bay Area where it is not snowing today as we tape this show. So I'm very jealous. Um, Mark, you and I have both uh, uh, contemplated the work of Richard Susskind uh, in the 
uh, last year I did, I believe it was the November issue, he was in New York for a uh, conference on, I think they called it Generals of the Revolution, and was kind enough to uh, tape two videos with us, which are available on uh, our website, again, www.lawtechnologynews.com. And I had the chance to interview a fair amount of people and looking at, okay, uh, Suskin's been writing for probably 20 years now, urging the profession to change its ways and to look at different ways of delivering legal services and billing for them. And you just tackled the same subject in an article in January on our website. Tell us what you wrote about and, and what's your take on, on the futurist Richard Suskin, or Suskind is I think is how he likes to pronounce it. Well, I I found his his book intriguing. Um, I first became aware of it at the um, ILTA conference at the end of the summer because his ideas expressed in the end of lawyers his book uh, were on everybody's lips. So I made a point of um, reading that. It just happened at the same time I was uh, rereading. Does IT Matter, uh, the book that was published in uh, 2003, I believe, about um, the future of information technology in general. And uh, the concepts in uh, Suskin's book were uh, percolating in my mind for, for quite a while. I also happen to have a business degree and and have studied um, competitive analysis there. And so all of those things came together. The article basically looks at, at what I understood to be Suskin's core tenants, um, filters it through traditional competitive analysis as described by Michael Porter. And then I put on my IT uh technologist hat and uh, considered how um, the uh, concepts around the um, IT value in firms and how that's under competitive pressure and being driven towards commoditization uh, compares to what Suskin was saying. So it's kind of a um, technologist perspective on Suskin and his uh, description of market forces uh, driving legal uh, services to uh, packaged and commoditized uh, services. From from that analysis and and from the point of view of folks who are in the IT world, can you give us one or two takeaways that you concluded in that article? Well, I I think Suskin does two things really well. One is he uh, rings the alarm. And of course, we've all been hearing this for for years, but he uh, brings his um, significant credibility to the question of what's changing. Um, and so um, sort of uh, tells us we need to wake up and, and it's not business as usual. The second is that he provides a framework for how we can um, look at legal services and the forces. So he describes a trend that starts at where we have traditionally been in legal services, customized services, and five steps towards what he views as commoditized legal services. 
and the forces that are pressing us from uh, customized to commoditized and from high margins to low margins. Um, my takeaway, though, is that the legal market, like the IT market described in the um, Does IT Matter book, is not monolithic, and that the successful firms are going to package legal services with appropriate technology to continue to move up market and thus fend off some of these forces towards commoditization. Well, Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. I hope you will come back again. Uh, if our listeners would like to contact you, what is the best way? Well, I'd, I'd be pleased to hear from listeners. The best way would be via email. Um, my email address is mgerow at fenwick.com. Terrific. And as we wrap up, I just want to remind everyone that you can find our podcast on three different sites. The ALM site is lawtechnologynow.com. Our partners, the Legal Talk Network, have the podcast on their site, legaltalknetwork.com. And of course, because we are so cool, as I say every month, we're on iTunes. Uh, shout outs to the Davids, Jasper and Snow at ALM and Jill Winward. Shout outs to Boston, to Lou Ann Reeb, Mike Hockman, and Kate Kenny at the Legal Talk Network. And as always, I remind you to remember there's no crying in baseball or technology. We'll see you in March. I'm Monica Bay. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Law Technology Now is produced by the broadcast professionals at the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening. Join Monica Bay for next month's podcast on the technology issues affecting the legal profession today.